welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show today. Very excited to have not just an interesting person in golf and life, but also a friend. Nick, you also have, maybe you have the best voice of anyone that's ever been on the podcast. Nick Siegel, <laughs> welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I mean, it's an incredible, I'm, I actually just, I think I'm just going to stop talking. I just want to hear you talk for an hour. You have a, you have, you, how do you not have a job in radio? I did have a job in radio. Well, there you go. Um, so I just, I, I thought there were more things to do in my life than just speak. Well, maybe you learned that it's not so much about speaking, but more about what you're saying. Mm. And the radio didn't allow you to say whatever you wanted. Well, there's definitely constraints, especially if you're reading someone else's lines. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's a lack of freedom in all of that. I, I uh, am rarely, a lot of times I ask people to introduce themselves on the podcast with, what, with how they describe what they do. Mm. I'm going to try something different today. You've done so many different things. Uh, and we'll get to most of them. I could I could rattle them off, but I'm curious to know what you think is of all the things you've done, right? Creative, business, family, all of it. I mean, usually people are going to say the family aspect, and I think you might do that. But I'd encourage you to think. You know, you can we can say that at any point. But of all the things that you've done, what is the most important thing you think? I think the ability to express my heart in the things that I do in my life. Uh, so family absolutely plays into that. I mean. I have a second marriage now, and I have a 28-year-old, I have a 23-year-old, and I have a 13-week-old. So that's a very different dynamic. But in my work, uh, in my creative expression, uh, even the way I, I am with people on the golf course, it, it's about expressing my heart, and because that's where my joy comes from. Um, well, that segues me right into what I, what I kind of wanted to start off with you was, which was how we kind of met, and what a wonderful, incredible, strange weekend that was uh, to... Um, and a half years ago, a little, yeah. little less than that. But before we do that, just just a quick overview of who is Nick Siegel. You're a you're an entrepreneur. You uh, king of the real estate game in L.A. Well, I, I appreciate that. I have built and sold two real estate companies. Yes, Bam. but that AKA player, just like <laughs> AKA like boss. Uh, you started out as an actor and uh, decided that. And I, this is interesting to me. I want to get into this later, but your the quote I read is. You were tired of waiting around. Yeah. And that's why you didn't do it anymore. Correct. Correct. I, see, I love that because that's almost like you're like, I'm, I'm taking my life in my own hands. Without question. Uh, there's a lot inside and I want to express it and I want to have fun along the way and waiting what felt powerlessly to have others tell me, okay, go there now and go there. That just became ridiculous. And with a family uh, steeped in Hollywood, um, you know, business success, writers, actors, mm. you, uh, I think it's really cool that you're like, you know, I'm done. I'm just going to move into something else that isn't related to that. Did, was that part of that decision? It, it was because I also, my uncle is George Siegel and, uh, George Siegel. He was famously in, um, he was in the, um, the card movie, the, the, the gamble Calif movie. California Split. California wow, Split. That's, that's an obscure one. I mean, nominated for an Academy Altman. Award for. Yeah, Robert yeah, Altman. Great film. Elliot Gould. Yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah, so he, you know, that's a tough business, and he really got burned out. And I said, is that, is that what, is that a life that I want? So I wanted more control over my life. I, I love the entrepreneurial spirit. I love putting a deal together in real estate. I got the opportunity to do that. I got to uh, put my acting chops to work by really how I listen to people, how I deliver for them, how I present on their behalf. So great transition and great training ground for what I do. Uh, and then I think maybe we can touch on this quickly, but um, 
George also paved the way for a lot of the world as far as being, I think, what was he, the first actor to not change his Jewish surname? Wow, you are doing your homework. Yes, he, he proud of his Jewish heritage. The one thing I will say that he, he, he where he told the line was, he would never have a political affiliation because he didn't want that to get in the way of people going to see his movies. I think that's really smart. I do the same. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I mean, it's just po- politics is always going to divide people, and that's and that's and I actually am priority number one is to not divide is to is to seek to include as many as possible. And I think one of the funny things about golf is you do have a lot of polarities as far as politics is concerned, and. We, when we get into that, we miss the point of golf being the inclusive, uh, you know, spirit. Without question. And that's what I love the way defining golf as a spirit because it, it, it is a spiritual practice. Beguiling, but, but, but it has its spirituality with it too. So we, we did meet on the 11th uh, fairway of Wilshire uh, first, very briefly. Right. When you were uh, about to join. Mm-hmm. I had been there for a year or two or something. Already a rock star there. Everybody, you know Eric Lines. Oh my God, we, we that's great. I don't know this part about myself. Yeah, I really don't. You should. You should. I just think it. I stick embrace out. It. I just think I stick out wherever I go, and everyone's like, oh, God. "Well, the hair could have something to do with the that." Hair. There's there's a question I do want to ask you before we go any further, and it speaks to that weekend that we had in uh, in Monterey. So, um, have you ever put a, a comb or a brush through your hair since I met you two and a half years ago? Because you vowed against it. <laughs> Completely. So has that changed at all? Has, has the life of an act now that you're on in front of the camera, have you had to change that up a little bit? No, that's never changed. Ah, I, I don't even know. I see a comb and it's just, I still can't place what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. um, I have, um, washed it a couple times. That's, um, the, that's your hair. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe three times a year. Well, fantastic. Yeah. So, and, and it's not a repellent, so it's serving you in some it form works. or fashion. It works. Work it. Keep going. Well, the joke in the office is that I can never cut it. Like Charlie Hoffman now, you know, like like you become sort of uh, identified as your hairstyle in some mm-hmm. on some level, and so you know, even still, it's been like five years since Charlie cut his hair, and people are still like, "What's going to happen to the hair?" You know. But you know what I noticed in the waste management, he's lost some weight. He's looking good. He's looking good. Yeah, he is. So hats he off, is. Charlie. Um, so okay, so we 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 met on the fairway, but then when we really met was in the um, was gate like seventy two B at LAX. Correct, United and Airlines. I tell the story a lot. I think I might have told it on the podcast prior, but you were a part of a, without a doubt, transformational weekend for me in my life. Mm. And, and it happened to include golf. And it was centered around golf, which I'm so lucky that I feel like I can tell this story. I'm so lucky that the story happened, mm. I feel like. But, you know, to just get us into it briefly, I, um, it's, I think we meet on December 10th or something. December 7th was the date that my uh, partner and I decided to get a divorce. And so it was tragic because we had been planning this trip up to Cypress Point for a year now. You play every December with uh, a handful of friends. Mm. This is my first invitation to the trip. And I was just, I had known about it now for 11 months. And to, to be getting, to find out that I'm getting a divorce like days before the Cypress Point trip was just tragic to me. No, no joke. I actually did think, geez, this divorce is really ruining my golf trip. I did actually think that on one level. Anyway, I walk up to the uh, terminal, the gate, and, uh, you know, Lawrence is there, our friend, and the one who connected all of us. And Lawrence's like, how are you? And I was like, yeah, I'm getting a divorce. I'm not that great. And he was like, oh, really? Me too. <laughs> Me and Nina are separating. And I was like, no way. And then I looked over at you, and you were like, I'm on my second, uh, I, 
you were married at the time. Yeah, uh, I had I had uh, just gotten divorced. Oh, and then you and Laura were getting ready to. Yeah, we were. Now we were together. You were so, courting. Yes, you'd been together for. You were. Yeah, it was recent. It was. It was fresh. What was great about that is that you you were in love. Yo, absolutely. So I was like heartbroken. Uh, Lawrence was like kind of celebrating independence, <laughs> like in a holistic, healthy way. Right. And you're like moving into the second. Just phase. blissed out of my life. Yeah. yeah. And was John in the airport? Or did we meet him there? We met him there. Right, but and then, but in the airport, it was revealed that John, our fourth in the in the group, the the primary connector to Cypress Point, was on his third marriage. That's correct. And so immediately, you know, like, and you can frame this up, like you were talking about being authentic in everything you do, and mm-hmm. you know, here's an opportunity for I didn't know you, mm-hmm. right? We had met for eight minutes prior, and I didn't know John, and I knew Lawrence well enough. Maybe we had hung out six times, right? So it was it was. Um, it was a lesson in just sort of being wherever you're at. Yeah, and I, I, I know where you were at and because I've been there. And you, you had such a sparkle in your eyes, even though you were just so deep in the despair of it. And it was, to me, it was like, I, I'm going to love this guy up. And, uh, and, and, and you had such a, as you, as you present yourself, there's just a sweetness and a lightness and a whimsy to it. And even though, and, and I, what I so appreciated your candor in how you were trying to get your arms around it. I mean, it's like, you just, you just been stabbed and it, there's blood gushing everywhere and you're just trying to get a tourniquet on it. But you are like, wow, I'm bleeding everywhere. You still had the presence of mind to try and get some elevation with it. And so it, it made it so much easier to relate to you and connect with you and share my perspective. Cause one, you were open to it Two, you were willing to then share. And then we were able to build on that to, to you know, start to find the discovery and the road through it. And uh, that was on you. I mean, you, you created that space. And because uh, if, if you hadn't, I still would have loved you up, but we were able to take it so much further because you were open to that. Yeah, it was just, I, I mean, thank you. That's very sweet. I, I don't remember much of the trip, to be honest with you. It was, it was, um, I remember just being very, I mean, and I think, I think a lot of people listening, I've, I've read a lot of messages from people <clears throat> listening to the podcast about how, you know, even just listening to guys like you and me talking can be helpful. I've heard stories of, read stories of guys like, uh, basically going through a pretty gnarly breakup, someone basically leaving them or, you know, cheating on them or a racial relationship falling apart. And then basically retreating to the game of golf mm. and, um, finding that, it's 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 there are there's that that's a multiple um that's a multifaceted solution right and i'm curious to know nick like you've uh spent a lot of time searching for answers in life you're a deep dude you know when we look at golf being a solution to something right there's obviously the camaraderie whoever you're playing with if you know them or if you don't you have the opportunity to like just be you mm-hmm. which is hard in my experience well and also golf shows you who you are i mean the game itself right you know the personality of who you're playing with based on how they conduct themselves in the course so you get a real sense quickly of do i want to hang out with that person or man am i going to stay in my cart and let him do whatever he does right absolutely yeah i mean that's uh it's almost sad when you have someone that you kind of like and then you see their behavior on the golf course and you're like ooh, yeah better to find out early the one of the funniest ones to me is um is uh when uh when someone just can't get out of their own shot mm. or their own swing and that's all they want to talk about. Yep. I'm just doing this, I'm just doing that. Yep. And I'm like, we all know. Yeah, we can see it. 
We think it's more yeah. painful to us than it is to you, really. Yeah. But you know what? You touch on something: how golf um, creates that that space, right? One of the beauties of golf is the space in between the shot. And so, when like back up to our trip, because we had that platform of a golf course and and Cyprus, I mean, one of the most majestic vantage points on the planet, right? And we're the crashing waves. And so there's space to really admire the beauty of it. And, and then there's the space to connect in. And there's the, and if, if, if a moment passes, it's okay. Cause there's going to be another moment because you're together for uh, hopefully not more than four hours and 15 minutes on a course, <laughs> but whatever that is, there's that space. And so there's just that, that spirit of, of, space to really engage as you want to but again you you were open to the engagement and, and I think anybody going through a breakup how quickly can you be open to realize what is present and how to then and then find the solutions through it and the answers and the salve along the way you know the the nurturing moments the s-a-l-v-e yeah s-a-l-v-e a salve like a, a balm or a, a lotion that's the first time that word's been used on the podcast. Boom. I'd like to congratulate you. Thank you. Thank you. Do you get a, <laughs> you get a little memento for that? A, a new word? 115 hours without using that word. <laughs> <laughs> Nick brings it in hot. Hot. Um, <clears throat> also, the thing about golf as therapy, right? We, 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 have the, we have the camaraderie. We have the you know um, familial brotherhood, sisterhood, nature, father, daughter, whatever. Um we also have a completely individual quest, kind of like Lord of the Rings or, um, you know, I don't know. But, you know, it's an individual thing. You know, it's, it's and, and how does that relate? You know, you, I'm sure you've thought about this. How, how does the dirt help in our, in our lives? Like, how, how does just going out there, do you play golf by yourself? I feel like, oh, you, yeah. You feel like you I do love that. that. Tell love me, that. how does that help your, your emotional life? It just gives me the space to to contemplate what's present, because golf is a very present game, and the ability to have the space between a shot, where when I'm in that moment of standing over the ball, ideally there's nothing else present, right? It's just what do I want to do with that ball, and hopefully there aren't 82 thoughts going through my head, but that moment slows every the, the moments before and after it down because approaching that moment. I know when I'm over that ball, there's there's only really one thing at hand. So then, be, then the walk to the next shot is really that opportunity to say, well, how's it going? And am I taking in what's present? Am I gra- am I grateful? Am I am I enjoying the surrounding? Am I thankful that I get to be out here right now? And so that create that slows the mind down for me and gives me the ability to really just reflect as I go. And so yeah, I, I love being by myself on a golf course. Uh, so you grew up on the East Coast. When did you, you came out here in the 80s? Came out here in 84, yeah. When did you get into golf? I got into golf when I was in college. For 50 cents, I could play uh, the nine-hole golf course at Vassar College. And uh, my buddies and I would go out there, and uh, we would hack it around. And there was one kid named Chris Langdon, and he had that, that low-lying shot that then, it, it just took off, and then it ascended. I was like, oh. I want that. <laughs> and that's what that's been my quest ever since. So it was that that's when I started the game. You know, it doesn't surprise me that uh you actually you were studying um uh acting, is that right? Yeah. Started yeah. as an English major, got a D plus in freshman English and realized that wasn't for me. Uh, and then I went to economics and I realized I don't want to work that hard. Uh and then I went into acting. But it's funny that having written a book, so 
I need some English, uh, you know, acumen for that. And then going to business, I needed some economic acumen as well. So I think I was, I, I, more, I was paying attention more than I thought. Ah. So, but yes, I graduated with, with an acting degree. Well, once you care, everything changes as far as how you learn. I think. Amazing how that works. But it's interesting to me to hear that you were interested in the, the, the shot shape of your friend Chris's. As an actor, I feel like that might make sense as we look at golf as a performance. Golf yeah. is a golf is a singular art piece. Not really. You can't score a play. You can't. You can't. I mean, you, you people can try, and raters do, and reviewers do. But ultimately, as an actor, you're on stage, and you just want to make good contact with your, uh, you know, uh, scene partner. And in golf, your scene partner is just the ball. And it's cool to hear you talk about. I've never. It never even occurred to this. Like. The idea that you studying acting, you're out there, and what you are looking at as special in golf is the ball flight, mm. and uh, well, that's the performance. Yeah. Right? So you put something in motion, and then how does it perform? And the beauty of golf is that my swing can be authentically my swing, and if I trust it, like it, as an actor, if I trust myself on stage, it's my performance because the the assemblage of my experience and my my perception of the reality of what's going on in the scene is the same thing that goes on in a golf course. And as long as I stay true to what I'm doing and not get caught up on the fact that the guy, that if I'm playing golf with you and you've, you've driven it another 80 yards beyond me, that I can't let that get in the way of what I do. And, and, and that also applies to business, right? The, the idea of competition, who is our competition? Our competition is ourselves. And if I present anything to other brokers that, that, that ask for assistance along the way, it's don't focus on what anyone else is doing. Focus on what you are doing and then master how you do it so that it's authentically you. The best golfers are authentically them. Whoa, this is getting, I'm having multiple realizations right now. No, because if you think about it, like you're totally right. If you're on the golf course looking at someone else's performance or ball or club selection, you're essentially reading their lines of the, you're, you're not, you're not playing the role that you, that, that, that the universe hired you to play. You're reading someone else's lines. Yeah. And you're trying to do what they do and they do it the way they do it. And you're, you're just sacrificing you and it's over. Yeah. Don't, don't take out the next club from the bag if you're going to play it that way. So, so you're, you're playing golf at Vassar. At what point do you deeply fall in love with the game? Cause I, cause I know of all the people in my life, I know that you, I see you on the golf course when I was a member of Wilshire, I would see you there and you just loved every aspect of the game. Everything. And, 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 you know, I mean, to go out there alone, I think that says a lot about how much you love the game. Mm. What, what, at what point did you fall in love with the game? When I got out here. When I came to California, when I could play it more often, right? I mean, a friend of mine, Mark Bilski, and I in New York, uh, we were still at school. We would go out in the snow with orange balls and play golf on a, on yes. <laughs> a snow bed uh, golf course because we loved it. But when I could play more out here... And when I started, as I played more, you know, the addiction of that, that pure moment. Right. And it just comes together. It's like, oh, God, how do I do that again? And, uh, it, you know, that we all have that moment, right, over and over again, ideally. So uh, you, uh, you decided to leave acting. You're in mm -hmm. Hollywood. You, you did a couple jobs. You were a lot of commercials. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then you're just like, I'm, I'm taking my life in my own hands. Well, it, the transition happened organically because I was doing a commercial for Hostess Pudding Pies. 
and you know, I don't, I don't think they don't even make Hostess pudding pies anymore, <laughs> vanilla and chocolate. <laughs> and so the guy that I was doing it with, who's also a, a great athlete, and uh, I always gravitate towards, gravitate towards the great athletes. I, there's something inside of me that goes, I love the way you do that, be it a ball player. And I've had the opportunity to represent athletes, and I'm always just, any actor in the world, I, they're, okay, great, but give me a great athlete, and that that to me is, is so much more compelling. Because, Let's dig into that. Why? Are you, sorry, you're about to answer. No, no, I, I think I've lost my train of thought. Uh, but I'd rather answer that question. Um, oh, so doing a hostess pudding pie commercial, and uh, he was a realtor, and he worked for a little tiny company. And I said, "Well, what do you do?" He goes, "Well, you show people houses, and you know, you negotiate a deal for them." I go, "Well, I can do that." <laughs> I went to Vassar College for God's sakes, and so uh, I started doing it. I started getting addicted to the idea of putting the deal two signatures on a page. You know, buyer and seller. That was that was the the accomplishment, and I loved it. And I loved uh, crafting a narrative of playing to your strengths because you always have weaknesses in a deal, but how do you articulate the strengths in such a way that you get the other side of the table to go, oh, that's what I need and what they can give me what I need and then deals come together. So that was great fun. Um, but in terms of athletic ability, because you're not thinking as an athlete, <clears throat> you're just you're just in the moment, you're doing it, you know? Being in the zone, Playing basketball, I mean, I've, 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 I've had that experience of just raising up and it's going in before it leaves my hand, you right. know, and it's just give me the ball again. So that's just, it's just fun. It's just a great, great time in life. I, um, <clears throat> I had a great round the other day and I, and I noticed that while I was playing, I was trying to over putts. I was just trying to just tell myself that the hole is actually quite large mm. and that I did, I did putt better. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. side note. Julie Elian is a is a, a psychology coach, right? And I've played golf with her, and uh, she's so sweet, a friend of John's and, and all that. And she goes, Nick, you're a great putter. And I said, I am? She goes, yeah, no, you're a really great putter. So when you go over the ball now, just say, I'm a really great putter. And it was magic. And the key is to remember to say those things. But I mean, at the waste management, okay, the 16-year-old sweet girl, Anne was her name, yeah. with Down syndrome, what compelled me most of that that little vignette was she's in the trap. She goes, I got this. I got this. She's already, the positive affirmation of what she's saying before she gets out of that trap with all of those people around, that's that positive affirmation. Bam, she knocks it out of there. Gary Woodland's going crazy. And, and then she drains the putt. I mean, that's life. That's, that's, that's the purity of it, you know. But it does start with a mindset. Absolutely. Um, so... Uh... So then, you know, you, you, I love this idea of the signatures on a page being the, um, the, the challenge and the, and the championship of it all. <clears throat> but then <clears throat> you go through, you, you do a lot of public speaking. I do. And, and I haven't seen it yet, but, I, but I'm imagining that usually it's centered around um, the entrepreneurial spirit and looking at business differently. And Depends on the audience. Depends on um, what I'm tasked to talk about. Uh, it can be impeccability. It can be about accountability. It can be at about the my most re- most recently I spoke about the consciousness of abundance and how it differentiates itself from success. Because success, most people define it as a metric, but the consciousness of abundance can happen in any given moment. 
and how do you live from the consciousness of abundance? And very practically, I lay it out that it starts with the baseline, right? So if money is one of the issues, if you're spending more money than you're taking in, you're in lack mode because you're always wondering how you're going to make up the difference. But if you can be responsible about your finances and drop that down to a baseline where you, you're confident that you know the money you're bringing in is what it takes to, to live your life, that's baseline. And then you can build an incredible abundant life because you're not concerned about the lack. You're focused on how do I create more of it. So that was the most recent conversation. I love this. I love it. So you, um, but, but I mean, I mean, I guess I'm wondering how, at what point did your sort of life and business expand into this bigger view of incorporating success into anything you do with how you look at the world? Because I saw people struggling around me in, in the field of play that I was in, in real estate. And so the re, the way I, I grew up in, in owning a piece of that company was because I was giving away the techniques and the tools that were working for me. And what gave me the real joy, and which is kind of odd, right, in a competitive, collegial competitive society, that I'm going to help you do better at what you do. And down the line, you may be up against me to get a deal, and I've now given you my secrets. I didn't look at it that way. It was like what gave me joy was, oh, my gosh, that, that works for me. Here, take it and see if it works for you. Because here's the beauty of it. I can give you 10 pearls. If you don't embrace them, you're not going to use them. And then I still have the 10 pearls and you don't, but I gave them away freely. So to see people have light bulbs go off. And so I started doing seminars. I started doing internal coaching programs within my company. And people gravitated towards that. And that became the content of the book was just using the resource of these different presentations and culling them together to create a through line of to create success for yourself. So that became applicable to that and everything that I do. What would you say is the single most important ingredient in getting Partners Trust, your real estate firm, is that what it is? Firm? Yeah. Uh, to the you know success that you got it. Hmm. The, the authentic nature with which I conducted myself. So I would never ask anyone to do anything that I wasn't prepared to do myself. And by demonstration, um, I said, we are going to play at the highest level of integrity because that's what was the driver to create the company in the first place. We're going to raise the level of professionalism in this industry. And only those that are inspired to be with us are invited to play. And in return, I gave them a piece of, of the company based on their production as a way of saying thank you. And again, we started this company in 2009. And the economic world was in a shambles. Not a great year to sell houses. No, not a great year to start a real estate company. That's for sure. When that was one of the main reasons we were in this. Why did you do it then? Because my heart said, "Let's do this thing. Let's let's now is the time to do it." I've got the resources to do it. It was my own money. I got a couple of guys together with me that shared the vision of that, and uh, we grew exponentially through two thousand. We started in the fourth quarter of two thousand and nine, ten, eleven. 12th, we were just we were just a rocket ship because people caught the spirit of what we were doing and that transcends market condition but everyone said you're crazy absolutely yeah the first guy the, the lawyer that uh i gave the uh he handed me these if you've ever signed for a lease a commercial lease there are four copies of it it's like a small tree it's an inch of documentation papers and he looked at me and goes well you're you've either got brass balls or you're crazy i don't care either one just make sure you pay the rent i said Okay. Amazing. Yeah. You had trying times in the beginning too. You were, there was uh, someone threw some uh, legal action at you. Yeah. How about seventy-two hours into the into the play, you get a four million dollar <laughs> lawsuit. 
Yeah. What? How? At that point, are you? You're you're a fan of. Um, I I know that you take cues from the universe mm. and coincidence to to have meaning. Mm. How are you? You're you're going against the grain. Everyone's telling you you're crazy, and then a company that says you're actually gonna now you owe us money. Yeah. How do you how do you then go forward and say I know I'm doing the right thing? Because we already planned for that. We knew that they'd come at us. And so, um, preparation, yes, proper preparation. So, and a clear intention of what we want to do and nothing was going to derail that. The clearer you are in your intention, you just, you wipe out the noise. So, um, we planned, uh, we budgeted $200,000 because my previous company that we sold the firm to, um, I was still in a non-solicit. Well, all I have to do is say, listen, Eric, you want to join our company. I can't solicit you, but if you want to come talk to us, you're welcome to do it. And then you sign a little document that says, yeah, I came to you, Nick. You didn't come to me. Fine. So we budgeted $200,000 for this. 18 months later, after all of the nonsense, while we're still having this positive trajectory, the total cost for the attorneys and to settle it was $200,000. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, clear intention and, and proper preparation goes a long way. So I didn't let it, I knew going in, so I didn't let it, I, my, my knees were shaking like crazy when I, when I opened the, the registered mail, but we moved to that pretty quickly. I want to hear you talk more about clear intention. I think I've, um, I think I know less about that than you do. So I'd like to hear you talk about it. It starts with a, an understanding of what we want. Um, uh, let's use a golf shot. You've got a, you've got an eight iron. I'll take it for me. I've got an eight iron in my hand and I want to get the ball 140 yards. All right. So I can focus on all the other things and all the other noise and what if it doesn't happen and then the attachment to outcomes. Or I can say, what do I know to do to put myself in the best position to achieve the best result? And at that point, my mind slows down and I focus on the things that I've done before and the things that I know to do and my best intelligence and I address the ball and with a singular focus of that clear intention, and then execute. Well, you could always fall back on being a golf coach. It like. <laughs> <laughs> Let's. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Be right back, everybody. All right, everybody, got a great read for you here. Stay tuned till the end of it because there is a massive deal at the end of this read. Precision Pro Golf, maker of the NX7 Series Rangefinder, is proud to bring you this spot on the Eric Anders Lang Show. The Eric Anders Lang Show is bringing golf to the masses, which is pretty rad. And Precision Pro is bringing accurate measurements to golfers at an affordable price. Their NX7 Series Rangefinder was named Best Value Golf Rangefinder by MyGolfSpy.com. You heard that right. Best Value Golf Rangefinder at MyGolfSpy.com. With all the bells and whistles that golfers love without the bloated price tag that other companies charge, it's the perfect rangefinder to add to your golf bag this year. So right now, Precision Pro is offering $20 off the NX7 Series Rangefinder. Go to PrecisionProGolf.com, PrecisionProGolf.com, and use coupon code ERIC, E-R-I-K. Do not spell my name wrong this time, folks. For a free uh, lifetime battery replacement, wait, for $20 off, and then you also get free lifetime battery replacement service. Whoa. Dude, you know how many times my battery dies in my Rangefinder where I'm just like, ugh, grind. Give me a battery. They're so expensive. If you can actually get take advantage of that, you could eventually get a free rangefinder by the end of the time. Uh, yeah, they're not joking, folks. Lifetime battery replacement services. You can check out the awesome reviews on their website or on Amazon. Amazon, that's what's up. 
uh, to read what other golfers are saying about Precision Pro Golf Rangefinders. Once again, go to precisionprogolf.com and use coupon code E-R-I-K, K as in awesome, for $20 off. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. All right, folks, you know my favorite golf shoe, don't you? I think you do. It's three-stripe life, y'all, and that means Adidas. Um, and so anyway, I just wanted to tell you that when I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Tour 360, obviously, and uh, they've made a huge update to the Tour 360, and uh, the two letters that it's concerned with are the letters X and T, okay? The Tour 360 XT changes the game, okay? It's lighter, so your feet feel even better after a round. By the way, a light golf shoe is what I'm all about. A heavy, there are some other companies making heavy golf shoes, and I'm just like, by the way, I weigh enough. There's enough going on. I'm carrying a golf bag. I'm carrying my team. Um, Tour XT changes the game. It's lighter, so your feet feel even better after a round, and it still features that boost, y'all. Do you know where boost comes from? It And boost is cool because it only comes in black and white. I don't know if you noticed that. And actually, they the guy who made boost like was going to bring it to some other, you know, they, they were shopping it around, and everyone else said no. Adidas was like, I'll take that boost, even though it's only black and white. And what did Adidas do with it? They made it awesome. I'm looking at boost right now on my feet boost on my feet uh and it has an x-shaped traction system that gives you insane stability literally it's not sane it's literally crazy your feet will literally be like i'm crazy best part it comes in spikeless Ooh, that's tight the first spikeless ever in the history of the tour 360 crazy comfortable and perfect for the course get your pair at adidas.com thank me later follow adidas golf for all the latest and greatest that's all true statements right there check it out go support adidas because they're a good company good people i like it Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. All right, before we get into this, what do you, what's, what's on the wrist here? What do we got? We have a, uh, a Cellini Rolex, rose gold, uh, moon phase. So this is a, uh, it's a modern take on a classic Rolex? It's a modern take on a, a Patek Philippe. Yeah, I actually thought it was a Patek when I yeah. first looked at it. Yeah, yeah, but I, I like, I'm, I'm a Rolex guy, I, I'm a fan, I've got the, my Daytona. Ooh, and, what's the what colors did they tell me? Oh, it's 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 the chocolate face with the rose gold. Ooh. yeah, with the with the rubber and the titanium kind of. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you're not a fan of the uh, bracelet, more huh? Sporty. <laughs> um, you know, I've done the bracelet. And I, I I've got one of my my uncle George when I graduated from college got me a, a date just mm. uh, with a jubilee band, and the I still classic. have that. Yeah, I, I still have it. Uh, stainless, stainless and yeah. gold on that. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. I uh, well, why why do we care about watches? You know, it's interesting because they're archaic, right? And we we all have uh, phones, and we all have these things. It's to me, it's the most elegant piece of jewelry. I mean, I wear a, a wedding band, a very simple gold band, and and then my mood is is accentuated and made happy by by a watch. That's that's it's very personal. But it I really like is. It. It's almost like. Um... It, 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 it's almost like a private moment. It is. and But when I look down at my watch, because when we sold our second company, that's why I bought this watch. And it just, it's, it's, it's a wonderful symbol of reinforcement of job well done. 
And I think those are important elements in our life. I think it's nice to celebrate those things, not from a place of I'll never do it again, but wow, what a lovely, you know, stop along the way. And it's great to have those mementos. I mean, your life is a rocket ship. I mean, before, before we came on, on air here, I loved hearing what you're doing and how it's just, you, you, you are achieving a dream that I don't even know if you understood all the facets of, of where your life is placing you right now. And all the one, every dude, I'm telling you right, I'm going to speak from, I'm, I'm, I'm representing the dudes right now, okay, <laughs> would love your life right now would love what you're doing and that you're on golf course and you're interviewing people. That whole waste management uh, commercial you did with The Rock, I mean, brilliant, brilliant stuff. I'm just, I, I'm just, yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, it's a strange experience, you know. I, um, I'll, I'll talk personally. Yeah, please. On I Friday. Be, I don't want to be the only one here. No, I'm actually curious to hear what you think of this. This, yeah. is, this is quite a personal story that I have only really shared with, one other person, two, because one was involved in the moment and the other I told about it after the fact. But um, my partner, Evan, um, called me and he said, great news. And he told me about this great news that happened. Um, a, a partner came on board and um, it seemed like it was going to work out to exactly what we wanted it to be. Our, our manifestation dreams were coming true. Um, recently, I had had like uh, a wonderful... Um, you know, friendship develop in a way mm. that I don't want to go any further on. Um, but then, then, and then I had spoken on stage about the game of golf that I love and, and people who represent the industry of the game of golf gave me positive feedback. I had, you know, th it was an incredible week filled, filled with nonstop wonderful views and ascensions and summits and, and just beauty. And, and, and really it was perfect weather. And you could see for miles and miles and miles. And then finally, uh, Evan calls and says, you know, dude, great news. And, and he, I go, what? And he goes, inbound. I was like, I don't know what inbound means. And he goes, inbound means I didn't solicit this work. Mm. Inbound means they called me. Which I know from him being a deal maker is important. It's a different thing. Because we've got a lot of jobs that we're working on. Like just, we're all, our plate is already overflowing right. with wonderful jobs that are just dreamlike. So he says, we've got inbound. And he tells me about the job. And it's magical. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, it's literally someone saying, do what you want to do. Right. And we'll pay you. Well, you created that. So, but here's the crazy thing is, I was in the office with Colt and Stuart mm -hmm. and our intern. And I had to get up because I needed to go into my uh, other private office and burst into tears. Mm. Just literally, I couldn't handle it. Mm. And, um, you know, you talked about the idea of a four-letter word called work. And it felt very unfair to me because, you know, and I'm not, please do not argue with me. Don't reassure me and don't tell me that I work hard because that's not what I'm looking for. <laughs> no, I have but, a different thought. Well, anyway... It was, it was, it was about 40 minutes of just like, I couldn't even get words out. I was so overwhelmed with just this like intense feeling. It's not that I didn't deserve it because I know I work hard. Mm -hmm. It's, it's that it's, it's almost like, imagine you were, had a flight booked and at the last second you canceled your flight mm -hmm. and that plane crashed. Mm -hmm. Well, that's, what is that? That's luck. How do, you, how do you acknowledge luck in your own life and your career and the way you've 
you know, you can talk about manifestation as much as you want, but if you had a job in the World Trade Center and didn't go to work that day, how, how on earth do you deserve to be alive compared to the 3,000 people that passed away because they were working hard, mm-hmm. just like you? Mm-hmm. So it really messes me up. And I used to believe in God, and now I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe in a universe. But in any event, the emotional experience of this incredible time hit me in a way that made me ultimately feel like, well, the only way around the feeling of, you know, and it's not, it's not like tears of sadness. It, it, I don't even know what they were. It was just overwhelming. Mm. And the only thing that made me feel better was when someone, when I did tell the one person that I told, they said, well, you know, you don't have a job. You're, you're lucky enough to do what you want to do. And the only way to move forward with this um, experience now of, of this feeling is, and to know that you don't really have a job, you just do what you love, is that you must work harder. Mm. And that was the only time anyone ever said anything to me that made sense. Because I've had this a few times in my life of feeling like, this is not fair. Mm. Well, the, the, you, you said a host of things there. I guess my, my, my first... <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. It's wonderful. And I so appreciate you sharing that. That that moment when you go into the other room and you burst into tears, to me, I just, I see that as a moment of pause that you finally gave yourself the ability to to recognize and catch up with all the things that you've done. And that it, it sounds like it was a very grateful moment of, of my goodness, look at my life right now from the hardship and all of those things and look what I get to do. And I so love that you took that moment to slow down enough, because that's what you did, to just reflect and, and appreciate and let it literally wash over you. And so, you know, who lives and who dies and what is their time, that, that's a whole other metaphysical discussion. But at the end of the day, you're here for a reason. And it's to learn your lessons and grow and be the best and give back to the best of your ability. You're doing that and you're in your stride right now. And the stride can quicken or the stride can slow down. Just stay to your pace and your stride and, and all the things that, that come to you. Just be judici- judicious, as it were, as, as you have more opportunity. Really, you have the luxury of, of picking and choosing what, what gives you the most joy because the, as you express that joy, more people will receive that joy around you and, then, and you pass that along. So that would be my encouragement. On, uh, but I think it's wonderful. See, now, but this is all great. It's, but I'm also like sort of self-conscious because it's like, you know, I know that a lot of people listen to this podcast because it's entertaining or funny or insightful or makes them like golf more. But like, how do we take like this is just like it's it's sort of like just like going around patting each other's backs. Right? It's not though. It's but, it, it's not. You, you what you've done is you've shared a moment in your life that is the culmination of good works. And my encouragement to anybody listening to this would be, have you taken your moment? If you're doing good works, have you taken your moment? It doesn't need to be, you know, bursting to tears or whatever that emotive state is, but do slow down enough to say, wow, I'm doing this. And I would ask and challenge everybody, if what you do that pays your bills, do you enjoy it? And if you don't, find the joy in it. And if you can't find the joy in it, do something else. Because it's a precious life, and there is opportunity for everybody to play it at the highest level. What movie inspires you above all? You must you must have a good answer to this. Oh well, okay. So on one level, it's Dave, Kevin Cost. Uh, I've Kevin, never Kevin seen Klein. it. Oh my God! I'm going to watch it tonight. He, he impersonates the president of the United States. Gourney Weaver, uh, Kevin Klein, uh, Ving Rhames, Dave. Okay, Dave. okay, just 
that's that's one. Butch casting the Sundance Kid is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, certainly The Godfather. I mean, I learned so much about business. <laughs> Not to kill people, mind you, but that the mindset of don't let people know what you're thinking, you know, unless you want them to. Um, whoa, wait, wait, wait. I need to unpack this further. Are you going to go on about that subject? Well, I can. Yeah, I, don't let people... The only thing I think of Godfather is leave the gun, take the cannolis. Right, which is... <laughs> drop the gun, leave the cannolis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, take the gun, which is the best. Um, yeah, you know, there's that great scene where where they're talking about heroin, right? And we're going to start peddling heroin because of all of our, you know, the, the Godfather's connections. And and um, at one point, James Conn just kind of blurts out something. And Marlon Brando, you know, quiets him and says... Uh, forgive my son for he speaks when you know, when he when he shouldn't, and then afterwards the, the the moral is, don't let anybody know what you're thinking. Now, that's very different in business than presenting what you want them to think, but don't let them see the fear. Don't let them see any of the of the subtext that could undermine your position in the negotiation. And that's what I took away from it. And I've used that. You know, it's like if, if we're negotiating on something and I'm your representative and I bring the personality of the other side into the equation and I start saying, well, you know what they were saying about you? They were, they were offended by your offer and, and they, they wished you'd come up more. Well, that doesn't do anything but piss you off and create polarity between you and them as opposed to saying, well, they weren't crazy about our introduction, so let's talk about it. I've got some feedback for you and let's see how much you want it and let's maybe reposition where we're going. <laughs> I take the emotion out of it and I, and, I, and I take the information so that we can repurpose it so that we can put you in a better position to win. I love that. I can't wait to watch it again. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a phenomenal movie. Um, any but other? The, yeah, Short Princess Bride. Oh, Prince, Princess good Bride. one. Yeah, that, that's just a sweet deer. I love this movie. But I love this. I, anything Denzel's in, I'm a fan. Oh, my God. The, the, Man uh, on Fire? Come Man on. on Fire. So good. Uh, what's the other one? The regular? Um, the new one? The, um, equalizer. Equalizer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's something about a man getting revenge that I can get behind. <laughs> he does it beautifully. <laughs> um, let's see. We've got we've got a cover here of a beautiful book mm. that uh, was in your head when you made this. I think it's really cool that um, this is a collaboration with your wife. Yeah, Laura. You, you wrote a book called On Your Terms, and you. I just I think I think it's so cool that you uh, collaborated on that. And and can you tell me about is is that it, I, I just have a thousand questions I guess, but I guess talk I guess I guess tell me a little bit about the book. That's how we'll start. Well, we can talk about the collaboration. Remember, I got a D plus in freshman English, right? So I <laughs> I, I can do a run on sentence longer than anybody. And Laura is a wonderful poet and writer, and so she really. Um, catches the spirit of what is the content of the book and the messaging underneath it and help package it beautifully. So that's the collaboration she's, and, and yeah. Well, I mean, her. but is that, but, but the ideas in the book, you guys must be discussing. Oh, sure. Well, all the time. yeah. And we, we live them. We live those principles of that book, but it, the books, the genesis of the book was the work that I was doing internally with my office. I created, um, 10-week programs, and, and, and I, it, it's a bridge book, really. Uh, there are many books that can help you feel better about yourself, but then they leave you there feeling better about yourself, but well, now what do I do with it, right? And then there are books that will help you define success, but one, if you don't feel good about yourself, you're probably not going to act on it. And then the third component of the book is, okay, 
I know what I want. Okay, I feel good about myself. Now, how do I negotiate those outcomes? Because most people do not like to negotiate for themselves. So, the wait, wait. Thir- yeah, can you explain that further? The that third people part? don't don't people, negotiate. They don't like to negotiate for themselves. What does that mean? Well, people don't don't feel comfortable asking for what they want. Um, to a, to anybody, anything. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, especially if money's on the line. I mean, you shared a, a brief story, and your call if you want to go into it. Go ahead. Um, so you t- you have an opportunity to to build a credential with a, with a company, and your first year you're getting uh, X, which is minuscule, and then you're getting a, a five-fold increase from that, and you're going, wow, that's pretty good. And then they're asking you the third year, what do you want? And you undersold yourself, and you needed Evan to support you in coming in with a big number. And did they give you that number? Yes. Uh, to the penny? It was a little bit less, but it was basically the number. Okay, so there you go. And and that that was two and a half times, or, or that was five times. Five. five. So yeah. look at the exponential gain. And so, so we're so close to things, and we have attachments to things. And then we have our own belief system of, well, am I really worth that? And, and that these are subtle little beasts. But if I give you nine keys and, and, and a progression of a negotiation, it's literally an architecture of a negotiation. And with each beat, which is an action step, I give you a clear intention of what you want to get out of that action step. I then give you two things. Well, I give you three things. I give you great confidence to walk into the room because you know you got a game plan. And number two, I give you the ability to know what you're looking for in the moment and then when to graduate to the next step. See, most people don't know how to move a negotiation along. They either rush it or they, they, they languish in a moment and they don't know when to accelerate and go forward. These nine keys give you the action steps and the associated intentions to what to look for in that step so you know when to go to the next step. Are, did you ever consider titling this book Being a Badass? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just sounds so awesome. It's, well, what, it, what I love about the book is, you know, one of my great movies is It's a Wonderful Life, right? I was actually, that's why I asked you, because that's my favorite movie. Okay. And mm. when you talked yeah. about life is precious, mm. I, I, it, that's where I go. Yeah. And every year I look forward to showing that movie to as many people that haven't seen it as possible. With that question, but when Clarence gets his wings every time a bell rings, right? To me, every time someone's empowered in what they do in their lives, that to me is a bell ringing. Wow. How hard is it for people to transition into that empowerment phase? They gotta be willing to look at themselves where they are right now and accept what's present and forgive what isn't working for them because it's not who they are. It's just a belief system. But is there really room for everyone to do what they want? Yeah. Without question. How, uh, what, what to you in the book was the, um, was there a sticking point? I know writing a book is very hard. I've, I've a lot of friends who have tried and not succeeded. Four years, four years. Wow. During, during late night, early morning weekends, it became my second, um, passion. Because you know you're not getting, I wasn't getting paid for it, but I, I wanted to honor my day job and I wanted to make sure this represented me in the best form and fashion. So it took four years to do it. What? Um, how's the feedback been so far? Wonderful, really, really touching um, from family, from strangers. Uh, I I was invited to speak in Denver, Colorado, to a thousand people just because they they got wind of the book. What is that like? Speaking to a thousand people or having the people invite me to something. Just In, whole, we'll call it inbound, right? The, <laughs> <laughs> the whole experience must be remarkable. Like like going I mean, 
it, this, it must be more meaningful than talking about business for you. I mean, exactly. I know it's about business, but yeah. it, it, this is something that you sort of, I don't even know. What do you call this? Because writing a book is not your job, is it? No, but it expresses, um, expresses who I am, and that's very important to me. And uh, I, you know, I look at my kids, and I, I, I want them to know their old man was, was, was a good dude. You know, and and that's one of the ways that um, I can leave that, and 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 it's a gift that I can that that, that lives on, well right. beyond me. It's a timeless book, so you know, there's a book called Think and Grow Rich, which was one of the inspirations of the book um, by Napoleon Hill, and the title speaks for itself. But <laughs> but it it's just it's 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 jaded, it's jilted, and it's it it it, it lacks certain elements that I wanted to I wanted to fill in the holes, and that's what, part of the design of the book. I love the title. How long did it, uh, how did that arrive to you? Well, we were going to call it The Heart of the Deal. Ooh. Yeah, but it, it had such a Trump connotation, mm. and I didn't want it to, I didn't want it to be kitschy, or I, I didn't want to play off anybody else. I wanted it to stand on its its own legs, and so on your terms, suddenly, uh, just, you know, inspiration just kind of flashed. Well, it does have a double meaning, yeah, which well, is cool, you. you know, um, I like that. Mm, I do too. like that. Um, so what else? What's going on now? Like, you know, what, what's, what's the, um, what's the daily life for Mr. Nick Siegel? Yeah, well, you know, our company was, the second company was acquired. So now I work for a national brand. And, uh, so I'm charged with 850 people and, uh, 22 locations here in Los Angeles. And, uh, so that, that keeps me busy and we're in transition trying to keep that all, you know, cultures and new, new, idiosyncrasies and new philosophies and bringing all that together and so that part I, I enjoy uh, doing a lot of coaching doing a lot of one-on-one uh, um, -on -one work within the company and, and and being invited to play on a higher level outside the company too so I, I've got a whole idea for a whole new market uh, I won't go into that yet uh, but I've got some really exciting people and some heady people much smarter than me helping me with that and uh it's the next and the book is bringing all those people together i mean harvard mbas and and silicon valley uh geniuses um all coming together to to create something so uh, the you know i, I love creative I, I love creating things um you uh do you ever send like a, a company-wide email like 850 people do, do you do that sure did what, it this morning what this morning yeah it's a saturday yeah what does it say? It's uh, there's a video that I saw called One Voice. Now on my wedding, uh, the, the Waylon Jennings uh, sisters, I think, they, they they sing a song called One Voice, and that was the song that Laura and I danced to. And the the United States Air Force does uh, a version of One Voice. It's a YouTube. It is exquisite. And uh, I just sent that out, and I said, you know, because it was it's kind of rainy here this morning. I said, uh, you know, beyond the rain. Uh, maybe this will bring a little sunshine uh, in Saudi view beyond the clouds. So, so you're, are, what's your title? Of, at, at, at oh, I'm, I'm, I'm president of Southern California of, of Compass Real Estate. So do you, is that one of your main priorities is to basically just inspire? Or is that, yeah. is that what you're doing? Yeah. And integration. Integration and doing it in a way that people feel honored. It's mm. very important to me. Uh, I, it seems like that comes pretty naturally. It does now. It does now. Uh, I had to really develop a sense of trust inside of myself that 
uh, I could speak my heart and not have to worry about what people thought about it. When did that change? God, it's still evolving, but I would say it really kind of kicked in um, about 1990. Huh. What happened in 1990? Just, I'd been focusing on myself and, I, yeah, I lost my parents when I, at a very young age. And, uh, no, that's okay. And uh, so I, I learned to grow up quickly, uh, but I learned how to survive. I didn't learn how to live. And so I had some support in that and, 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 between 86 and 1990, I really had four years to really kind of gestate that, that process of really standing in my integrity and, and expressing myself from that place and, and being very impeccable with my word. And a lot of that's in the book, too. Right. So you've actually been writing it for 38 years. A long time. <laughs> 28 long, years now. A long time. Um, what is, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to stop down here in a second. What, what would you say is the hardest part of your job and or life right now uh in the job that i don't have absolute control over what we do uh that i that like I, you used to oh yeah when i owned the firm i could do whatever i wanted right mm. so there are protocols the procedures things don't move as nimbly as i'd like them to move so it's accepting that reality and so I mean, that's okay i mean if that's if that's the toughest thing that i'm dealing with but no one's asked me to compromise my integrity that that won't happen um and no. in, in in my life um just getting enough sleep with a with a thirteen week old, but you know what? If you're going to have a kid, here's my strong suit: get night help yeah. because it makes all the difference in the world. But no, I have my life is. I get to hang out with you. Life's good. I'm very happy you were able to make it over here today, and uh, everyone go definitely check out on your terms both uh, in paperback. You can audiobook it too. You can hear my voice for eight and a half hours if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Which I highly recommend doing. Also, Nick, uh, was your, you're on Instagram. It's, um, that's your main yeah, social Nick, media. Nick Siegel, yeah. yeah N-I-C-K-S-E-G-A-L. Um, I love staying in touch with what you're doing on there. It's always great to see. You know, you, you use that platform as a great way to inspire. And um, yeah, I just, I just think it's great, man. I look forward to um, wherever the next chapter, you know, It'd be it'd be funny if the I, we played golf a couple times at Wilshire, but not as much as I think maybe you or I both thought. Right. But it'd be funny if like the last golf trip we went on, I was getting a divorce, and the next one, maybe it's a maybe it's a different trip. It will be a much better trip. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, man. Oh, uh, Eric, thank you so much. <laughs>